0: Thank goodness, it was Becker with Atticus and John Henry have brought the Calvary. I mean, he really did bring the Calvary, <laughs> plastic Calvary back there. And, uh, what a blessing! Grateful for, grateful for that. <laughs> what a blessing! Uh, this is a sacred occasion to be together for the ordination of Jerry Hyder as the deacon. And uh, what a blessing, uh, Jerry has. And continues to be to me and to, well, to all of us here. As we've watched him through the years. And I think as I began to think about something to say, first I thought of, I thought of how he he's a really approachable guy. You know, that's what came to my mind is is Jerry. You know, he doesn't meet a stranger and and he makes you feel warm and comfortable and all of that. And I thought of Ephesians three twelve that says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, break that down with sermon sermonette for a sermon I guess. Where that starts is in him. Him is Jesus Christ. It is in Him, it is not you, it is not me. We are below, He is above. Like John the Baptist said, He must become greater, I must become less. Or some translations say, He must increase, I must decrease. But it's Him. And once He is established as the foundation of the life, then it's about our trust and confidence in Him. In Him and through faith in Him. And when those are combined, our belief... In Him and our trust on a daily basis in Him by faith. It says then we're able to approach God, and I love it, with freedom and confidence. Now think about it. The God who made everything invites you into His presence. Are you kidding me? Now usually when it sounds too good to be true it's too good to be true. But in this case it's not too good to be true it's the truth. And so then I began to think about He is the God who sees me. And, and this this one I'll talk about tonight it, from twofold I, I think for any believer and for the to be a spiritual leader it's not about climbing to the top <laughs> Being a spiritual leader is about seeing how much you need Jesus and living that and loving other people because of that. And so, turn me to Genesis sixteen. I want to read a single verse. We're standing in God's honor, so I read this verse. I'm going to say a few words, and then we'll come up to lay hands on. On Jerry. Genesis 16, verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Let's pray. Father, it's all about being seen by you. Well, the truth is, you've already seen us, whether I know it or not. But once I understand that, Lord, it frees me to find what I need. And I pray tonight, Lord, as we celebrate with Jerry. And we agree, Father, as a church community, we we cast a vote. We um, sought to affirm him. And that's what this is about tonight. It's just that affirmation of, of this ordination service to say we... We believe God has called this dear brother to serve us and to serve alongside us for the glory of God. So I just pray that this time that remains would be pleasing to you, Lord. Uh, speak beyond what I am able and help us hear beyond what we are able. So that he who is able might meet our deepest need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, God sees you. It's the way it always works. We worry about seeing God, but He sees us. And I want to just look at three brief illustrations of that. Uh, there's Moses. Remember Moses. Little baby raised in the palace of Egypt, knows all about affluence is able to have anything this world has to offer but we discover as he grows into a man one day he's out and he's he's watching a hebrew be mistreated and anger comes upon him and he ends up becoming a murderer you know the tale he he, he runs away he he becomes a fugitive he escapes and he's on the back side of the desert the wilderness for forty years he believes he is a nobody he believes he cannot be forgiven he believes that any hope he had of being a leader whatever that means is now gone oh my goodness we're not that kind of church <laughs> i got to put that phone, that thing is just too sensitive. Okay, um, so you have Moses, he's, he's back there, and then what happens? God lets him know, I see you, right? He walks out, and there's this crazy sight. There's this bush, and it's on fire. But it's not being consumed by the flames. And he speaks directly to Moses, right? What is he saying? He says, I am who I am. In other words, Moses, I see you and I have not forgotten you, Moses. Regardless of what you think. And then there's the next guy, Samuel. Samuel literally grew up a living sacrifice. And here's what I mean by that. His parents were in the temple in Shiloh and they were praying. And she was so disheartened. She was so depressed because she desperately wanted to give birth to a child. And her womb was barren. The scripture says that as she prayed, her mouth was moving, but no words were coming out. And it must have been a sight to see because the priest looked over and said, she is a drunk. Look at how she's a wobbling. She shouldn't be in the holy place. And then Hannah said, oh, you got it all wrong. I am just broken. And I, I am so broken. And, and then she shared her heart. And God answered her prayer. And she had a child. But she dedicated this child. And, and he was after he was weaned, he ended up in the temple. And I looked at it and thought, how old was this kid? It's amazing how much disagreement there was. Anywhere from two to six. And it was really interesting. One I read that said to six, it said in the Hebrew culture, he said weaning was not just about... Getting mother's milk. But it was also about the mother giving the milk of the word of God. To the child. And weaning. And so here's this, this kid. However old he was. Somewhere between say three and six. And he's growing up. What a tough call man. In the temple. Beside the priest Eli. And then one night. He hears a voice calling to him. He's like, he runs over there to Eli. Did you call me, sir? No. Go to bed. Comes back. Did you call me? Go to bed. Comes back. Now, wait a minute. Something's going on here, Eli says. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you, Samuel. Next time, when he calls, say, speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. What happened there? Well, you know, I think here's a little boy who his parents aren't around. He's in a temple. What a shock that must be. That transition, that change. You know, it might be a living sacrifice as far as Hannah is concerned. But it was tough for a little bitty boy. And yet God was saying to this young man, what? I see you. Samuel, I see you. I've noticed you. You are not forgotten. And then one more guy. He was a complicated guy. He was described as a man after God's own heart. You know his name, David. <sighs> Here's the thing, though, about being a man after God's own heart. Praise God. I like this part of it, even though I'm not trying to lift David up to I mean, come on. David was a murderer. And he was an adulterer. And he probably had a list of other sins that I, you know, I'm not going to write down. And yet, God said, he, he's, he's my, he's my man. Now I, I looked at that, and I, you know, I think that kind of throws some people when you talk about being a spiritual leader. it's like, "Well, I'm not good enough." <sighs> That's the point. None of us are really good enough. God sees us though, and He redeems us, and He restores us. I, I want to read from Acts thirteen twenty two. Gave me some insight into this about old David. Yeah, I encourage. I loved her pages flipping the Bibles. So. Thirteen twenty two. This is Old Samuel it says. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, concerning David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything. I want him to do. So here's what I think the scriptures telling us. David wasn't perfect he was a major screw- up in some ways but here's the thing about David when he messed up he didn't run from God he ran back to God and that makes all the difference uh, now I've told the story before but I noticed early on with Atticus he is so sensitive I guess sort I the where he gets it you know but anyway he's so you know he's so sensitive. And sometimes, you know, being a preacher, I'm just loud. And and sometimes I my voice will get loud. And those dogs we have, they think they're children. And I have to yell no. And so especially Panda, well, she'll act up or cause a problem and, and I'll raise my voice and Atticus just knows I'm yelling at him. So he falls to pieces and starts crying, you know. Just breaks Papa's heart. I can't take it. And but uh this is what I love about it. I hope he does this for a lot longer. I'm afraid one day it won't happen. But when he cries, he doesn't run from me or from his grandma. He runs to us. Don't get me wrong. David, he'd go the wrong direction, but eventually he'd turn around and run to God. And, man, that's what March, a spiritual leader. He understands God sees him. And he's not saying... I will reject you. I won't receive you. He's saying, open arms. Like the waiting father, you know, the lost son, the prodigal son. He's waiting. He's looking. He's come into my arms and let me embrace you. He sees us. Now, the second part of this, uh, not only that he sees us, but when we understand he sees us, it frees us to begin to see other people. And this is a struggle because, let's face it, we're all so self centered and full of ourselves and all that that we miss people. We don't see people. Genesis 16 is about Abraham and some other characters. But turn back with me to Genesis 11. Verse 31, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. I mean, what happened? Abram's dad was headed for Canaan. He was headed to a specific place, but he stopped too soon. When we come to Jesus Christ, we are headed to the promised land, right? We're headed to that Canaan. And the challenge is let's not settle. Let's not stop. Let's continue to move. Then we read in, you know, chapter 12 starts out. That's when God speaks to Abram. And he says, it's time to go to a place. I'll show you. The journey resumes. He's heading to the promised land. He's heading to Canaan. Now flip to our passage, Genesis 16. And as we read, you know, starting, um, I'll just say this, you know, they are waiting for a child, Sarah and Abram, and they're tired of waiting. (laughs) And trouble ensues. Now, I I want to just bring out some points from this passage that's honest in seeing people, as we all are, okay? And first part, uh, I want to bring out here verse 3. So, after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, we'll stop there just a minute. He wasn't going to Canaan now, he had been in Canaan 10 years. He was in a special place waiting for God's promise. Even though he was in the place he wanted to be, God wasn't doing what he wanted God to do. Where are we? Have you been a Christian for a long time? Maybe more than 10 years? Do you know what they did next? They decided they would fix the problem their way. Instead of God's way. And they should have known better. I am not a marriage therapist. But I guarantee, I I think I could give a little advice on this. Look at this with me, guys. Uh. Verse 1 says, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord's kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. This is not going to work. When we seek God's promises outside of God's boundaries, there's trouble. And as a, a I mean, that's always true as a leader, as a spiritual leader. We can count on that. Next, um, relationships are broken when we pursue that. <laughs> oh, boy, where the relationships broken? She, uh, the maidservant Hagar, becomes pregnant. Verse 5, Sarah said to Abram, You're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now... That she knows she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Broken relationships. Um, We need to see people. We need to love people. We don't need to jump conclusions about people. But we need to walk with people. Through the situations as they appear. And the relationships are broken. And notice Abram's response in the first part of verse 6. Or the last part of verse 6. He says, do with her whatever you think best. And Sarah mistreated Hagar and she fled. From her. Ignoring a problem doesn't make the problem go away. I learned a long time ago, and I try to do this, if there's a problem... You praise people in public. But you rebuke them. Or you talk about the hard things in private. But you need to do that. It's not love to be passive. Matter of fact, uh, listen. Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in all things Up into him who is the head, that is Christ. We grow as we speak the truth in love. That's part of the call. We need to be people of the truth in love. God meets in the place of despair. Notice where she is, second part of verse 6. Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. And they find her, the next verse, she is in the desert. And she is ready to give up. She is broken. as She's in the desert. Jeremiah 23, 24, in the new century says, No one can hide where I cannot see him, says the Lord. I feel all of heaven and earth, says the Lord. What are we back to? He sees us. Right? He sees us. Now, I want you to notice a question here in verse 8. That occurs. Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? I want you to notice something about this real quick as we think about people and being a spiritual leader and, you know, trying to talk to people because this is just so true. It says, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she said. She's talking about where she's going. But she doesn't want to talk about where she's been. She doesn't want to come clean. She doesn't want to talk about where she may have responsibility. In the relationship, in the broken issue. So why does God even ask the question? Not because he doesn't know. He wanted Hagar to know. God deals with us so that we'll know. And he says to her, he says, go back. In other words, do the right thing. And then in verse 14, that beautiful verse, or or verse 13, where he says, you are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. Um, So, you know, I just kind of close with that thing. The first thing, uh, Jerry and all of us, God sees you. And the second thing is he wants to see other people. That's a servant. That's a servant's heart. And I close with uh, what Jesus had to say about the issue. In Matthew nine thirty six, it said he was looking up over Jerusalem. And it says, uh, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Do you know why? He said, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And what was he doing up there? He was seeing them. With that in mind, uh, tonight we're calling for Jerry to Jerry the challenges. Remember, God sees you, and the challenges. Remember to see other people around you in this body. To see where they are, what they need, and to love them as you love the Lord. And you don't do that alone. We're in this thing together. This is a team effort. It's not a one-man effort. But we have the joy and the privilege of affirming you tonight in this time of call so with that in mind, I'm going to ask Jerry and Lisa both to come up. We'll have ask Lisa to stand beside Jerry and Jerry if you can. not Is your knees I okay get too down. now? Yeah. And we, I want to ask those...